College football fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall. I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some college football. Now, obviously, we're fresh off rivalry week, and boy, did we get a lot of rivalry stuff. Uh, finally, finally, we are just talking about this off air. A lot of folks would have fired Harbaugh. But Michigan did. They extended him instead, and here we are, forty-two to twenty-seven after zero and five. We know, especially those two years, it came down to the overtime. Did he get the first down? And then the block punt against Michigan State, scoop and score. Crazy stuff happened, and it looked like this. It kind of looked like that had taken its toll these last few years. How they were still quality program, no doubt about it play defense, run the ball, yada, yada, yada. But it didn't look like they were going to be able to compete at the high level. It just didn't. And it sure did on Saturday. So big shots out to the Michigan Wolverines for getting that job done. Auburn, speaking of, almost got the job done against Alabama. My co-host has got a nice little rant on that. Oklahoma State did get the job done against the in-state rival Oklahoma, that was a nice win. So now they're going to face Baylor, who barely got past Texas Tech. Um, so, yeah, wide variety of stuff to cover, no doubt about it. My uh, Minnesota Gophers got the axe from Wisconsin, so that's always fun. Um, so, yeah, we're going to definitely break down uh, Week 13, and then, of course, the conference uh, championship games coming up. Uh, the rematch from a butt whooping two weeks ago, Utah, Oregon. Vegas says, hold your horses. It's going to be close. Oklahoma State and Baylor for the Big 12. On the low Sun Belt, Louisiana are raging Cajuns and Appalachian State. Alabama, Georgia. You would assume Alabama. Well, we shouldn't assume anything when it comes to the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban, but you'd assume they got a win to get in Cincinnati, Houston, Michigan, Iowa. And I was just talking about this as well. This looks so strange of a matchup. Is this like a COVID makeup game? Pittsburgh and Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. You got to love it. Um, Usually that's Clemson. And then a handful of years before that, it was Florida State on that side. And then just a mixed bag of everything coming from the Coastal. So that's really cool looking, too. Now, of course, we got to talk about <laughs> some coaching car- carousel thing going on. We got LSU. We got Notre Dame. We got USC. We got a $6 million house purchase. There's a whole lot of stuff that we'll get to in just a little bit. But if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find this year college ball show on the rope Dope radio podcast platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. Why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. Um, if you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. And if you go all the way to the Premier uh, Package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime included in the price per month. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall, and let him do his thing. And, you know, Marshall, beyond what you're going to talk about, I, I don't know. I never know what you're going to rant about but or talk about, whatever. But let's get this coaching stuff out of the way as well before we get to recap and preview and predictions and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, I normally I start off with a rant, and this is it, it's kind of a rant just because I have a good buddy of mine. He's like kind of a younger brother, like not by blood, but like my best friend's cousin. So he's become a younger brother, and he's as confused as me. And and I think we're not the only people. 
But my opening rant confusion is why did LSU hire Brian Kelly? Like, I get that Coach O, you know, was maybe pursuing some people he shouldn't have and that got in some hot water. Maybe the boys were having a little too much fun partying. But if you're looking for a fit, like a personality of a coach with a team, like when Coach O spoke after pregames and said, like, go Tigers, like that, he's like a true <laughs> Cajun person. Like, I can't even try to do the voice, but like Coach O literally was LSU. Like, that is him. And he like, and you wonder why his guys always got up for him and and played games. And again, they beat A and M. I gave out that pick, and I gave out the spread against Auburn, Bama. So I went two it all. Oh, just picks. you? You you were on that <laughs> Auburn? That's just you, huh? Okay. We 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 gotcha. both were. We both uh-huh. were. But yeah. uh-huh. I just you you go from a, a a Cajun to a guy who's just like the prim proper fit dude from Notre Dame. I just I don't see it. Like, and you know, it, it, and again. It could turn out to be a good choice, but especially with college football. Well, it's not football. a bad choice. No, say that. it's not a bad choice. It's just like, you know, you normally have like a personality ties to a coach. And it's just such a big transformation to go from a, a literally guy from Louisiana to a guy who just, it, it, it's just a huge different personality. And the choice to me just seemed weird. Now, you can look at his resume and say, okay, clearly the guy's done a tremendous job in Notre Dame. His win-loss record is spectacular. But now you're walking into a conference where you're going to have to play the, probably the best teams in the country, and you're going to have to raise your game up. You're not going to have, you know, I just it, it's just such a huge switch. When I saw the name pop up, again, strictly off, if you're disregarding personality, what I'm saying, but just off um, win-loss, it's a good decision. But just for the personality, when I saw that Brian Kelly was going to LSU, I was like, wow, that just – it, it caught me off guard. I can kind of see the Lincoln Riley USC, like, hey, you know, this guy's got a flashy offense. You know, he, he, he always gets these quarterbacks in. Like, that's something USC needs. I, I don't know who maybe would have been the better fit, but it just Brian Kelly and LSU were like, huh, how is that going to play out? And what do you think about it, Chris? Well, I'll tell you this. I got a little bit different viewpoint on it. Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, this year doesn't necessarily um, capture Notre Dame's normal schedule. I'll say that, right? They don't. They didn't have a tough schedule per se this year. But overall, and since I've been watching college football, which I don't want to date myself, but it's been a while, they've sure. generally speaking had a tough ass schedule. You know, they just do. If you look at the rivalries, Michigan. USC, like they, they generally have a tough schedule. So um, I'm not saying that it's as tough as the SEC. I'm just saying that is one thing that they normally did have because um, they challenge themselves and, you know, in the non- everything was a non-conference, <laughs> I suppose, right? But my thing is, if you're able to build a top flight program at Notre Dame, which there's really only one guy that got them kind of close in the last 20-some-odd or longer than that. Um, My thing is, if you look at it, like we were talking off air that, you know, Creighton-Durham Hall is a big uh, football, um, you know, Catholic school here, private school. And those, you know, private Catholic schools are all over the country for obvious, you know. A lot of them are just that. A lot of them are sports-oriented as well. And you could say that Notre Dame has the pick of the litter off of that, and that is true. But as we know, the standards of academics to get into LSU and basically beyond like Vanderbilt and Florida to an extent, it's fairly easy to get into those schools on average, right? So he's going to have, his pick at a wide variety of athlete that wants to come to the SEC, and it's just a much bigger pool. So my point is, if he was able to build that program to get to the final, you know, to get to the championship game and then to get to the semifinals as well, and then this year, still pretty good, but, you know, whatever sure. this year. But not a bad yeah. year, obviously. No. I think that, yes, I think it's more strange that he left the team 
Now, I don't think they're going to make it, but you could still say they have a chance to make the to make it. So that's crazy to me because that's never happened where you're literally having a chance to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to, but if you have a chance to make the playoffs and then you dip, but then again, he's been there a long time and he's seen once you even make the playoffs, the limitations. And so I do think it is different to be able, I mean, just your state alone in the last 20 years, the improvement of Louisiana football and how many recruits come out of there, let alone just folks wanting to go to the SEC. I mean, it happens in South Florida all the time. A lot of players go to the SEC out of that. So I actually think it's a better fit than people are saying. And I understand what you're saying, no doubt about it. You're not going to find a Cajun, though, another Cajun that's going to be equipped to to coach the team to a top-10 team. You know what I mean? I doubt you'll get that anyway. But in a couple years, don't act like he won't have some Cajun slang, and he'll be talking (laughs) – he'll be a Southern gentleman before you know it. Trust me on that. Um, And he's a spark plug. You know, that dude turns red pretty quick, you know. So he's a disciplinary, and he tried to do some okey-doke stuff up there, and they got, you know, he lost. His record should be better up there, if you know what I mean, <laughs> because he lost some games, remember that. So I think it actually is a lot better fit than the general consensus of it. But I do know what you're saying. I do know what you I hear you out. And, and the other major one um, – is obviously for USC, this is probably the best, again, I've had probably the second coolest moment besides Sam Darnold winning the Rose Bowl. So in the past 12 years, a moment of happiness is Lincoln Riley going to USC, a, a team I do support, but I don't talk about much on the podcast because they're not worth it. This is a college football podcast, not a Marshall's favorite team podcast. But <laughs> my favorite team might be coming more relevant again due to that signing. Um I think the Clay Helton experiment went about three years overdue. This was not me. This was many people in the country, but they kept finding weird reasons to keep him around. He had a couple of quarterbacks, I think, carried him a little bit more than the skill he offered as a coach. But nonetheless, uh, Lincoln Riley kind of snuck away at midnight and is now coaching a team who has all the potential to be, especially on that side of the map, to be a really good team. And within a year or two, go back to contending for a playoff spot. And not to say that Lincoln Riley will get there and snap his fingers and have a club like we've seen with Bama, um, Clemson, Ohio State. But if you're looking at just the issues they face compared to Bama or an Ohio State, you're in an easier conference. You're recruiting when USC has people in power that you want to play for. They can recruit their ass off. That's one thing that Orgeron, Kiffin, uh, it did kind of fall off under Helton. But for the most part, Pete Carroll, you get all the talents in the world when USC is hot and running. Like, that, that, that's a fun team to swag, to just play for. Like, they're, Lincoln Riley's going to get kids. He already signed the um, a top three quarterback in the 2023 class. And he's got kids who are going to fall into Oklahoma now going to USC. So the talent's going to get there. Um, I'm not sure how the deal got done. Uh, but it did. Um, so all of a sudden, it's a program upgrade. Um, the the team should be back to being at least relevant again. I hope they still gotta you know get a defense coordinator, I guess, and all that stuff, and make some pieces work together. But as a USC fan, Chris, again, besides win the Rose Bowl, Darnold, which appears yeah. to be a long time ago, this is the second best moment the the team has had, and now there's a cause for hope and and just to be something optimistic about. Because just to be positive, and I'll throw it to you. You look at what Lincoln Riley did with an offense in Oklahoma. If you can install that same kind of offense of gimmick in USC with the talent you should be able to get, you're looking up all of a sudden. And again, your main two horses to place here is Oregon and Utah. Those are your two like, oh, who do we got to face? That's it. So it's very yep. optimistic uh, future for now for USC. Yeah, no, it makes makes a whole lot of sense, especially with Oklahoma having going you know, going to the SEC when they go there makes a ton of sense. I mean, I, I, you know, and you don't have to sit there and battle as much in the state of Texas like you probably had to do because there's 1,700 schools there now that are good or at least pretty good. And so 
Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And, in you know, the rumored $6 million house in, Cal- in L.A., imagine what that thing's going to be worth in 20 years when he retires. Uh, you know, overall retiring and just living a, living it up. So yeah, man, it's, it, that made all this. I think that is a great fit. I don't see how that goes bad. And, and to, to be the number one brand in the state of California, you know, you think he has some talent, which he obviously did, uh, at Oklahoma. It's going to be, uh, that much better, no doubt about it. Anything else before we get into this? Because, we got to talk about Michigan in Ohio State and a variety of other games from Week 13. Oh, I would just say that um, uh, Billy Napier, the former Raging Cajuns coach, is now at Florida. And uh, Oh, yeah, 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 good call. Uh, and Vatek hired Penn State's D coordinator. So, again, and Vatek, I think, I'm not saying they can become Ohio State, damn Auburn, but Vatek used to be a pretty proud program because you had a, oh, a yeah. coach who was there for almost two decades. So, that's like kind of like a B level job, which again you can get Vatek back again. That's that's a good spot to land to. So we're I don't know anything about the Penn State coordinator, but that that ain't a bad. There's much worse gigs to have than a Vatek head job. So and we'll and see how the guy does. They had a pretty damn good defense with a lot of talent over the years. If you think about oh, it. Oh yeah, that absolutely. It always had great uh, special team plays too. Mm-hmm. Guy Parsons, that dude's a freaking stud, man. Um, he is. He really is. He's all over the place. And then who's going to go to Notre Dame? I mean, is all of a sudden the, the Cincinnati coach going to be like, well, huh, interesting. Maybe I'll go there and then dip on his team too? Like, is Notre Dame going to really be like, hey, man, um, we'll let you go do the ball game? I don't, I don't know about that. You know, that, that, you know what they got to do? They got to figure out kind of like – I'll give you an example. You know, it's changed now, but the MLB, the the contracts, you know, between the players and the and the owners, they actually used to, you know, that's why they had to strike before the world, you know, before the playoffs, because it used to be at the end of the season, and that year where they had the full season and it didn't have the the, the postseason, which that really hurt me as a kid. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, they got to figure this out. They got to figure out recruiting. And maybe push it back into January. Um, I know the national signing day is in February, but they have that early signing, which is dope, the early signing. They got to find a way where we got to have a different system because recruiting is such a huge thing. And of course, I understand if you're going to spend all this money and you're going to, you know, try to move on, you got to have the coach show up. And not all that long ago, um, and I'm not talking five years, you know, you could actually more than likely, you could actually stay a little bit longer. Some, some of them did, but it but still, if it's a top program, they want you down. They're not worried about anything like that. So I, I wish they could find an even somewhere, some kind of different, you know, I know you got to get them in and that's the thing where school comes into play. Cause you got to get them in for the people that are going to be there early so they can start, you know, but I don't know. It's funky. It's real funky because it would be crazy if the Cincinnati coach, you know, of course you're going to jump on Notre Dame. But, to you know, I, it's just crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a weird system. Um, a lot of people are down on it right now. Oh, this sucks. That sucks. But this is, this is what it is, man. It's been going on for a long time. All right. So, um, man, when you look at, you know, C.J. Strout, had it, you know, threw the ball a bunch of times, almost 400 yards, lost, you know, got sacked a bunch of times, uh, negative 30 yards. Uh, he has six carries for negative 30 yards and negative five a clip because of those sacks. Um, but Michigan, my goodness gracious, I mean, 297 yards. On 41 carries, six touchdowns. Haskins ties the school record with five of them. 7.2 a clip. Marshall, they just slowly but surely grinded down this Ohio State team. And before you know it, they were up 35 to 20. Now it got a little tight there, you know, when it got the 35 27 off to that nice, really, really nice drive. And I was. 
I couldn't believe how quickly they turned right around. And I'm looking at it, 228, five plays, boom, it's 40, 40, 42 to 27. I mean, Michigan just finally put it all together and beat that big brother that's been beaten in eight straight years. Hey, it was it was amazing just because it was such a, a different moment you don't see. Um, in the second half, Michigan ran the ball down their damn throat, and Ohio State literally couldn't stop them. And Ohio State, I I I bet you Ohio State maybe. And from what I'm, I, I kind of doze off at the very end because it didn't matter. You knew the game was over, but. I don't think Ohio State had a run of over 10 yards in the third and the fourth quarter when the game mattered. They, Ohio State literally couldn't run. They could pass. They were passing the ball okay, but they couldn't run, and Michigan State couldn't get stopped, and Ohio State's defense just got ran out the damn gym. Like, that was Michigan saying, hey, we're going to play some hard-nosed football. We got a line this year that can push your line around, and – yeah, it was a rivalry upset, and God, I could only imagine the happiness of a Michigan fan. You know, you, you actually have a chance, if as long as you don't choke here against Iowa, to make the Final Four. But, um, yeah, that was just a beatdown where you won the trenches on offensive side and defensive side. Um, Ohio State receivers made a couple of plays, but never in that game, and I'm not saying it was a complete blowout, but never in the second half, if I was a Michigan fan, would have I been super scared. Man, the game was close, but, man, when you run the ball – over and over and over, and a team can't stop you running the ball. Like, dude, milk, milk the clock for six minutes and get a touchdown, and then do it again and do it again. And our team couldn't run the ball. That was that was an ass whooping. Ohio State doesn't get in the Big Ten. It was their first Big Ten loss in twenty nine conference games, which is again mind blowing that you can do that. But damn, props to Michigan. You smoked them and just shoved it down their throat. That was an, a really impressive win and way to dominate the line of scrimmage, which you normally don't see. Because that's one thing Meyer, when he was at Ohio State, always had incredible D-lines. Besides yeah. maybe Ohio State getting beat by a Bama or a Clemson. Oh. Yeah. I, I can't recall the last time that happened uh, in a game in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, just it, it that, that doesn't happen to Ohio State normally. So hats off to Michigan. But don't party and get too big of a head and then blow this whole season to Iowa because then all of a sudden all the Harbaugh haters are going to come right back out the woodworks, my friend. Oh, it'd be, yeah, you're right. That would be a major, major thing. And they need to, (laughs) they need to calm down. I did like the, uh, line he had about Day saying, uh, you know, some people don't realize they're uh, born on third base, uh, because, you know, (laughs) Urban, uh, built that thing up, obviously. Um, but yeah, that, that, man, the rivalries, man. It's just nice to have it back fully, and uh, it's sure. like I think it's Fox has been, um, you know, with college football for quite a while, not as long as ABC and, and CBS, but quite a while, and that is the biggest game, um, regular season game that they uh, that they've had. It was like 15 million people or 16 million people. I don't even know the pack. The peak number, I just know the average. I just saw it right before the show on Twitter. Uh, so pretty crazy there. Um, Bama and Auburn, of course, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We'll talk about a variety of other items here, too, kind of summing this stuff up. You know, I'll let you talk about before the drive. <laughs> uh, but I'll say this, with Young, with the with the number one running back out, I believe they're – wasn't their – I think their number one wide receiver got hurt too on that last drive, if I remember correctly. Um, to go that long um, to, you know, to, to get the game into overtime, it was just a crazy game to be, you know, to be 10-0 and 7-0 that long. I mean, when you look at some of these drives, Marshall – interception, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. I mean, the, uh, some of these are long drives, at least seven plays. Uh, one was a 12-play drive. Uh, but I got to give, you know, credit where credit's due, 97 yards 
in a minute 11, like I said, without your best running back, and I believe without his best wide receiver too. So kudos to Young for doing that, and obviously Bama needed that so, so bad. But let's talk about before the drive, Marshall. Uh, It was – this is a Bama team who is good but not your regular Bama team. This is about as pedestrian of a, like they're, they're Bama's like this year. They're somewhere between like the, the third to seventh best team in the country. They're in that mix. But normally you get used to seeing Bama teams who are first or second best in the country and they, and they whoop up on people. That's not been this Bama's team MO all year. Again, you lost to a hideous quarterback in Calzada, and I get all teams make mistakes, but you were a 20-point favorite, and you lost to A&M. And then you had you won by a touchdown against Arkansas, and then you beat LSU by six when you were a 28-point favorite, and LSU had a chance to take the lead with like three minutes to go. So th- is this a good football team? Yes. Could they win the national title? Quite possibly, sure. But this is not your regular, like, roll tied team and we saw that but I think we really saw that get exemplified because hell you were again a 20 point favorite and sure you're on the road at Auburn but this is an Auburn team who I wish I would have remembered um Bo Nix was out yeah Auburn's quarterback Finley was gimping the whole game the dude was playing on a busted knee but he could he couldn't go out because uh Bo Nix was out so you played a broken quarterback who had like 110 yards passing and your offense can do shit and you have talent, you have talented wide receivers yet again. So I really think this goes to show that this Bama team, well, they had a, they had a massive off game and Auburn played lights out, but it was just a really poor performance. I'll get a quick note in here. I wish that Ole Miss had one more game to play this year because Matt Crell could have still won the Heisman because what we saw from, the top two Heisman locks. Ohio State quarterback didn't do much against Michigan, and sure as hell. I don't know that about last... all that. I don't know well, about all that. He didn't, he didn't do much. Come on. He man. didn't play great. Dude, he had he, 400 he yards passing. He didn't. Uh, do... It's not like he didn't uh, do anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, something. But it, it wasn't an incredible. Force, he was getting then. devoured, though. I mean, but, that, uh, just that end alone. How many sacks? What he set a school record? Three or four sacks um, in the game. Yeah, I'm just saying he, the, he didn't. But he you didn't said he had a bad game. He didn't have a bad game. That's well, okay, he wasn't great against his rival, and Corral beat Mississippi State. I know it's a different team, but still, he won his rivalry game. But and that I mean, Bama quarterback, wouldn't you say Mississippi State and Ohio State? It not? is, but I mean, Corral's. But Corral's had as good a year as these guys, and neither showed up last week. The Bama quarterback, after watching that game, you're telling me he's a top two Heisman finalist. You had one drive at the end. You couldn't score. Period. You literally couldn't score on an Auburn team that just got beat by South Carolina. And these are the top two finals. Again, I wish Heisman, I wish Corral could play this week because I think the Heisman's still in his grasp. I had to get that rant off my chest because he's a little Well, that's where it all spurs from. You got to put other people down just to bump up your Corral. Neither of those guys played great. But nonetheless, um, hey, the, the, uh, the, but to give credit to, well, I mean, you got to give some credit to Bama's defense. They hung in there. Now, again, they you're, have 15 you're facing tackles their, uh, for losses and six you're, you're, I mean, you're, you were literally playing a, a quarterback who couldn't run, who was a backup. Um, but hey, it was it was a low scoring game. The crowd was going nuts. I'm sure the crowd kept the energy up. I'm sure people were screaming "War Eagle" like crazy. But if let's say you were taking a nap or you woke up or went for a run and went to the bar or something, all of a sudden you look at the score and you're like, ten to zero Auburn. What happened? It was no snowstorm like we saw at Michigan State, Penn State, which was so beautiful to see. I love watching football in the snow. There was no snow. There was no wind. It's just Bama's offense was bad, and Auburn played all they could. And then it came down to a last-second mental lapse, which we'll get to. But, yeah, I was going to say, are you going to get to that at some point? Okay. That's what yeah, it was right. going to be so, about. <laughs> uh, but Bama actually probably should have <laughs> lost the game, or it would have been really tough if it wasn't for a mental mistake by Auburn's running back, Tank Bigsby. So Auburn's trying to run the clock out or maybe milk it really far down. Yeah. It's second down, and Auburn's running back runs out of bounds, which, as you know in football, saves Bama from calling a timeout and saves 40 seconds off the play clock or at least like 36 seconds with a timeout. 
So that mental mistake there gave Bama the ball back with like a minute. What'd you say? A minute eleven. Yep. A minute or a minute eleven for, for ninety-seven to yards too. Yeah, so which is been, I'll give him that. That's a great 50 drive. Fifty or forty seconds. Yeah. So that's now a, now you're looking at thirty hard. to forty seconds. That's really hard to do. So that one minute. I personally think if the running back fall down or stayed in bounds, Auburn wins the game. And we're and the whole playoff committee and everyone's minds are blown because Bama blew a, a game where they couldn't get anything going. So that one mental mistake cost them. It goes into OT now again. Auburn had a chance in OT. Um, it went back and forth, back and forth. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll throw it back to you, Chris. Just don't bring I up really, the Heisman anymore, okay? Jesus Christ. Uh, I had. Me. Oh fuck. Those, those guys. Corral, Corral did just as much as those guys did all year. So it's bullshit that it's a two man race between them. But anyways. Um, and Corral actually runs the ball and has some heart. Anyways, um, the uh, – the, um, Those guys don't have heart. Well, that, 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 that was a little called for a shot. Um, but the, the overtime, and I've heard people talk about this. You know, we, we, we've had the rule now, and we did have the crazy nine-overtime game of Penn State, Illinois this year. But did it feel weird to you to see those first two overtimes where everyone's just going back and forth, great possessions, and then you see Bama's – Wide receiver run a little button hook for the win. Did you? Was it weird to see the game finish on a, a two yard play, or did you just enjoy the game so much it didn't matter? Like, did that OT in such a cool, great game we had to enjoy of rivalry? Did the OT finish kind of push you back to man? I wish we hadn't done that rule, or did that not really cross your mind that night? It didn't cross my mind because it was a. It was a super low-scoring game, so it didn't really cross Fair. my mind. They could barely get in the damn end zone anyway. Um, so I guess <laughs> just on this scenario, it didn't. It, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, I, I don't like it. But in this one, it didn't bother me just because it was such a low-scoring game. But yeah, maybe they could go four overtimes and then go to the two-point conversion. I don't know. They they still got to play with that. Uh, they still got to play with some of that. I think or just. Maybe force going for two right away as far as doing the touchdowns, or maybe do it from the ten or fifteen. I don't know. We'll figure it out though. Um, but yeah, only because of the low score. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm still not a fan of that. Uh, I don't like doing. You know, baseball doesn't do a home run derby. Boxing, you know, in the in the third, if it's a draw, the thirteenth round, you don't punch the guy. Then he punches you. You punch him. Whoever gets knocked out first, it, it just it does kind of go away from. Uh, it feels too much like European football soccer where it's like, ah, oh, man, this is going to come to that. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. But in this one, it was a little different. Let's move on, though, because we are at the 32-minute mark already. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. This one was a fun one because Oklahoma State did get up uh, a, a decent amount early. By halftime, it was tied. Then all of a sudden, the Sooners are up. They're rolling 33-24, to 24, and these last two drives for me, for Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, I mean, a buck 25 strike to get it 33-31, and then 49 seconds after that fumble, quick strike, quick strike, three plays, it's 37-33, and, you know, it was kind of their trading punts, turnover on downs, Back-to-back drives turnover on downs. Big win for the Cowboys, who would have been in this scenario again either way. So it was nice for them to not have to play Oklahoma back-to-back. Good win for them as a program, no doubt. 11-1, or 11-1 now. Everyone, so it was odd because I remember talking about this with you that people were betting the under. And like Vegas, like Sharps and everyone saying, oh, you got to go under in this game, which we talked about last podcast of like, seriously, like in Bedlam, you're taking the under like that's odd. And you even mentioned about how uh, the over under was in the 50s, which is very low for us. You know, a, a series reset where Baker Mayfield's, you know, like chucking the ball up and then they're getting an answered. But, you know, it's like 400 yards passing for quarterbacks. So the, the Vegas number seemed low. But in reality, Chris. Oklahoma State's defense played really good football. Like, Oklahoma scored in a bunch of weird, random ways. You had a yeah. um, 
a botched fumbled safety. You had a fumble return for a touchdown. You had an interception return for a touchdown. Oh, yeah, sorry, you had a muff punt. Like, Oklahoma State really actually defense played phenomenal. I mean, well, not, but they played really good. Like, Oklahoma's offense didn't do much, which we expected. And Oklahoma State's offense surprisingly did just quite enough. Because from the start of the third quarter to the middle of the fourth, with the crazy, crazy bunch of plays that all occurred, I just mentioned, all that favored Oklahoma. And all of a sudden you look at the score and you're like, okay, Oklahoma State's defense hasn't given me points yet, but we're down 10 points to our rival, you know. So that game just had a bunch of weird, fluky plays. But to give Oklahoma State credit, despite all the weird controversy and your special teams and offense letting the defense down. They stepped up at the end. They got a win. And we talk about how Ohio State fans have always been able to poke at Michigan. It's been just the same, Chris, for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And you kind of have to enjoy this one, especially if you're an Oklahoma State fan, because as their coach Mike Gundy said earlier this week, um, they probably won't be able to maintain their bedlam rival once they go to the SEC. Now, who knows if that's true, but from a scheduling standpoint, I get it. So yeah, your yeah. team's Especially you're you're losing, that. yeah, you're losing your rival. Do that. Yeah, yeah, they they've whooped up on you all year. That was a, a really good win. And again, despite all the crazy plays, you made enough when it mattered. And again, hats off to them because I think they were literally in that three and fifteen in their last eighteen, really similar to what Michigan and Ohio State were. So that was a good gut check win for Oklahoma State. And now they're completely in chance of making the college football playoff. Yeah, man, and we talked about that last week. How are you going to deny them if they go ahead and, you know, beat, uh, you know, back-to-back top ten teams uh, type stuff? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting there. Speaking of, we talked about barely, just barely stuck by Michigan State, barely stuck by Penn State, 30-27. BYU kept it moving against USC. Sorry, had to bring that up. LSU got a nice dub. Uh, to close the year for them. Bowl eligible there. I actually called that one, too. Um, North Texas. I mean, San Antonio coming in there, 11-0. and 0. They want respect. They want to move up in the rankings. Wow. <laughs> Bowl eligible now. Bowl eligible off of that 42 North Texas Mean Green. Our bowl eligible, 45-23. to 23. That was probably one of the biggest shockers, actually, when you break it down um, of all week. And Nebraska, what do you know? They lost by a, a, a touchdown score. Oh, good score. God. They actually uh, closed the season with, with basically with the same amount of points. I think it was 239 and 239 or something like that. They scored that much, and they – because, you know, that was the thing before – they had had this crazy number where they're outscoring opponents, but they, you know, they only had one win uh, in the Big Ten, and I think that they actually tied the exact opponents and scoring. Oh, looking for a they, uh, Nebraska. I think one, Nebraska had a two. They were positive by two points, Chris. Are you a, sure? A two, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. two thirty nine points scored and two thirty nine points oh. allowed in the Big Ten. I, I, uh, well, okay, I, I thought it was a two-point differential for the positive. It's either two points or a tie. Because they had been but, positive the whole year, and that was yeah, what two, was scratching the heads, and they went one and eight <laughs> I know. with that. That's freaking right. – that's crazy, dude. You wonder what they're going to do there. But they, they, once again, were in – I think if they had Martinez in that game, they may have won. Now, there was a block pun and all that, scoop and score, and Iowa now, you know, ended up doing their thing. But, man, that was a close game. So was that NC State, North Carolina. San Diego State looked really good against Boise State. They finished strong. Um, And like I said, my Minnesota Gophers spoiled, spoiled the Badger season. They were going to go to the conference final. They'd be in it if they beat us because they beat Iowa. And uh, that was a nice way to finish off the Golden Gold or Gophers uh, regular season. Uh, yeah, we'd want to be in the, the conference final, of course. But we lost to Iowa, so that was our own issue. Uh, but that was really nice. And P.J. Fleck hosted his biggest ever at Minnesota, anyway, recruiting night on a night that they at home 
took the axe away. And now in the last four years, that's twice now, two out of the last two. So two and two in axe games for, for my guy Fleck. Hey, that ain't bad. And one of the coolest uh, sights from Saturday with, again, many things we've just discussed was having the Gophers play jump around where if you're a college football fan, you know that is the song that the Badgers always play in Madison at the end of every third quarter mission for the fourth quarter. They play the jump around song, which everyone knows. And it was just kind of fitting that uh, Minnesota played that on the field after they beat Wisconsin. And even if you're a Badger fan, like, what can you say? Like, they won the game. You know, it's a, you know, a fun little the shot at a rivalry. It's got to get to you. But, you know, that, again, like I told you for the show, that's why you love college sports with mm. moments like that. You know, we, everything has become so politically correct nowadays and everything in sports that you got to have moments like that where, again, you, you won the game, you're going to have a little fun, play their song. <laughs> and I'm sure the – the Badger players who are going to be there next year oh, are yeah. not going to forget that moment. They're going to remember. <laughs> yeah, that that will not be forgotten. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be in Wisconsin next year, so that's what's <laughs> great about, like you said, these rivalries. So, yeah, but, hey, that was a great win. And for Minnesota, who had such a, uh, a year of optimism, then you lose your star running back, then you lose another star running back. You actually put together a pretty damn good season for the injury bug that kind of got to you. Uh, despite the Bowling Green loss, which came out of nowhere, that hey, not bad, not bad at all. Definitely, no doubt about it. And Mo is coming back another year, baby. The All American oh, running back is coming back, baby. Um, which is crazy. I didn't think he would. And then also the crafty, crappy pick of the week: New Mexico State, forty-four to twenty-seven. That's one of the biggest ass whoopings in the crafty, crappy pick of the week. Nine and four, Marshall, the close. We got to remember this year. Hey, again, in Vegas, people get paid thousands of dollars of picks, and you're expected to hit at a 56 to 57 percent clip. I am not good at math, but if you make 13 bets and win nine, <laughs> I, I believe that is above 57 percent. So if you're listening to this podcast and you made us some money, you know you can send out a Venmo or just or just give us the five star likes. But hey. Nine and four, that's a pretty damn good season, Chris, for what, I mean, honestly, I wish we would, I might have to listen to the podcast throughout our years, because I bet we're probably at like a 70% clip for our whole history, because we've all, I think we've won the past six years at eight or four, nine or four every year, so that is such a fun segment to do, I love it, um, we did decide to do it for college basketball, which is our podcast we get into when the season's over, it's not quite as fun, but it, it's still a fun segment to do, BS, nine to four, brother, that's a, a pretty damn good run for the crafty crappy pick of the week. Man, gotta love it. Gotta love it. you like making money? Nine and four. Okay, so Al, let's start with the big one. I mean, there's a handful of big ones, of course. They're all big, right? No doubt. Everyone's gotta win and, and all that good stuff. Um but the big, big, big one. Number one Georgia against number three. Alabama, six-and-a-half-point favorite in favor of the Bulldogs. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, 66.5% chance to 33.5% chance. They got Georgia like it's going to happen. By the way, Young has 40 touchdowns and four interceptions on the year. But I know he's a horrible Heisman candidate. I, I know. Those are garbage numbers. Horrible. <laughs> and look who he had to play. It's not like he played in a, a tough league or anything like that. Um, but anyway, 6.9 is that's a number that the Bulldogs are giving up on defense. They're only giving Jesus. up 80 yards per game rushing. Jesus. Uh, buck 51 through the air, and you know a lot of that's garbage anyway, probably. So that's freaking crazy. And, oh, by the way, uh, like a lot of these Bama great teams, oh, by the way, they could put up 40 as well. And they probably, you know, pulled on the uh, the, the hold on. Let, let's just get through this game. They could probably be averaging, you know, higher than Bama. So here we are. Bama basically needs a win to get in. So they are that cornered animal. Are they going to come out and put it all together, or is Georgia 
finally going to get over the hump because, man, that national championship hump, like that overtime game, like they've been just knocking at a door, Kirby Smart knocking at the door for so long. Is it finally Georgia's year to just put it in Alabama's face and get the job done, Marshall? So I think you can look at this a lot of different ways, but I, for me it's pretty cut and dry, like, this is not the regular Nick Saban Bama team. If it was, we'd have a fun game. But this is a Bama team who, again, was struggling to score against LSU's defense, who had issues, struggled to score against Auburn. And you can't tell me that a rivalry game automatically makes you score less points. I do know that, sure, the underdog emotions can kind of build up a defensive play, but are we going to say that the underdog emotions of LSU and Auburn were why um, – Bama couldn't score. So if Bama's now going to play the best defense in the land, which is, I mean, true. Now, obviously, with that being said, Georgia is on the lucky side of the SEC. Like, the 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 division right. of Bama, A&M, Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State, uh, and I'm missing one more. Like, that, that they're, on, they're, on the, they're on the easy side. So you can maybe say, yes, those numbers will not quite be as good. Oh, in Arkansas. Especially this year. So, you know. Yeah. So, Just yes, you do get to beat up on, like, a Vandy and, like, Missouri as offense was hopeless this year. Tennessee, you know, they actually scored on Georgia in the first half. But those numbers might be slightly inflated. But, sure, this is still the best defense Bama's going to play us all year. Play all year. So, I just don't see how, if you can't score against other teams, how are you going to score against this Georgia team, who I'm sure, <laughs> as you said, is looking for a chance to finally knock off Bama, you know, in a big game. So, I just don't see how they – I don't see how they win. You, you struggled against Auburn. I mean, I, they, it's not like they were sleepwalking through the game. I don't think Bama took Auburn like lightly. It's your right. biggest rival on the road. I just um, Now, is Georgia's offense great? I don't think so. But one thing I'll say, this I'll wrap this up for my last point here, is that when your defense plays as good as they've played all year, it makes your offensive game easy. Like when you get up, 20, 30 points, and your defense ain't going to score, you can literally run the clock out, and you're going to be just fine for the whole game. So maybe they will have to maybe expand the playbook a bit, Chris, you know, a little bit. I don't know. But sure. I, I, I like Georgia comfortably with the six and a half. I just think that what has Bama shown us all year to think they can win this game with Georgia for this year is, on, and I believe on paper, truly a better team than Bama. Yeah, we know Bama has its – you know, running back you, right? But um, they did lose their number one guy, too. So um, Sure, like that said, doesn't help at all. Doesn't, doesn't, and he's a, he's a damn good player, too. So um, I, I don't – I think the the wide receiver is going to be back. I'm not sure about that. But I, I'm going – or no, sorry, I'm going Georgia. I am going Georgia. The six and a half points, I, I still don't – feel super comfortable about that it's not like it's 10 and a half but I, I still I don't know if I touch the points per se I'm, I'm not sure about that um because will it be kind of like the last few years of kind of unraveling in a way like Michigan right in, in Ohio State where it's like all right dude I'm finally just we're gonna beat you by two touchdowns and I and double digits whatever I could see that happening but I could also see Bama just rising to the occasion they're loosey goosey. They ain't got nothing to lose, um, and so maybe they keep it close, and, and maybe Georgia does have to win by a field goal. But I am going Georgia with you. Um, let's start to kind of talk about. Okay, so here we go. Friday, which I think is smart for the Pac-12 uh, to do these these uh, conference championship games on a Friday. Um, you know, I mean, shit. It's it's one of those things, and I and I brought up up the scenario of Nebraska and Wisconsin a chunk of years ago where Nebraska beat up Wisconsin only to turn around and I believe either I think yeah they got beat up in that game too I think Wisconsin came you know served it right back to them um Utah and Oregon we like I said we just saw this game and sometimes you know it adds to it other times you're like man I'm not as excited about this game. Um, and Utah, you know, they, they kind of had some, not kind of, they had bumps in the road uh, early. They lost to Oregon State 
not that long ago, but they had a really close game with BYU. They lost in uh, triple overtime to San Diego State. Who's a quality team, but, man, they've been on a run for a little while now. Can Oregon, yeah, I don't think they're going to get beat 38-7, to but can Oregon somehow turn this thing around? I mean, Vegas thinks they can. They're only favored by two and a half, uh, the Utes. Uh, I would lean with Utah again. I mean, you kind of, you know, they're, they've done like percentage studies just from a gambling standpoint of, you know, figure, well, you can't beat a team twice in a year or kind of talk like that for the NFL or college football. I mean, yeah. I, cause I think the old sport gambling mantra used to be, well, hey, you, you, you beat your rival once, you got to play him again. Well, you're out, you're now it's going to automatically flip the script. Well, it's not necessarily the case. And especially, you can't really say that the Oregon uh, Utah first game. E, e, uh, I'm I'm struggling here. I, I what I mean to say is that you can't say that Utah had like a fluky win. I mean, sure the points for it maybe won't be that high again, or the 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 spread of the win. But to say oh like Utah got lucky, like I don't think any college football fan would say yeah. Well, man, Utah just they they were on their game. Like they played their regular type of football, which is run the ball down your throat and don't let Oregon run. And again, just I, I'm I guess I'm just not I'm not that person. Oh well, you got to look at the other way now. Well, you got beat for a reason. You got beat bad. Now it wasn't Utah, which is a tough place to play. Now you have I think the neutral site game. But I will lean again towards uh, Utah just because I think they're the better team. And Oregon, uh, they're just they've not besides the Ohio State win. Really, what we were saying, Chris had a bunch of. Uh, played a bunch of games really close this year. Like they had a lot of seven to ten point wins against teams that were not maybe on par with the higher end Pac-12 talent, and the games just stay close. Like they never really pulled away from people because they run the ball really well. But that's kind of really all they do. So I'll take Utah to win again in what should be, like you said, a really fun Friday night game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I do think it'll be closer and whatnot, but yeah, I, I like Utah just for a lot of the stuff you mentioned. Oklahoma State and Baylor, and um, you know, speaking of, uh, this is a rematch as well. Um, now, 24 to 14 was the the first one, and this one not September. I think it was actually. I'm looking at it right now. October 2nd, so yeah, it was, you know, as far as this goes anyway, quite a while ago, in a sense. Um, th- this one kind of needs, to me, is a, a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, what I do know is, I mean, both both sides could say, well, we had, you know, like Baylor said, well, down the stretch, you know, we had multiple turnover on downs. I'm looking at it right now. They had three turnover on downs, um, and not just the last drive, which you tend to have a turnover on down. And so they say, well, we can, we can play better. Um, the Cowboys, you know, they had some early picks that ended up not costing them, and they, you know, they didn't play their best either. Um, I don't know. I mean, we just talked about the rematch, right? I kind of feel like this is going to be, um, pretty, you know, pretty close, uh, as it goes five and a half points. I think they won by 10. I think it was 24 to 14 Four. here's another one with these over unders in the big 12. Maybe that's why Lincoln Riley's getting out of here. He's like, what the hell's all these over unders doing here? I, I got to get the hell out of this league. No, I mean, they were anyway, but 46.5 over under, uh, Baylor in, in Oklahoma state. That does look funny still. Um, I'm gonna, I feel like the Cowboys, it's not like they played only two weeks ago, this team. So I think that just overall, they got a good enough, uh, quarterback. They got an experienced coach. Obviously they haven't been in this situation where they only have one loss since they played Stanford in that big, big game. And that was a crazy game going against, uh, what's his name? Uh, why can't I think of the Stanford's freaking quarterback? What the Indianapolis Colts? Why, what am I, I just. Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck. I kept saying love in the back of my head, and I stopped like, oh. what the hell's the damn name? Andrew Luck. Um, it hasn't been in that scenario since, and I remember uh, at this old brewery I used to work at, um, one of the brewers was, 
you know, that was his squad. And he was just freaking out, like, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Obviously, they, they came up short. But long story short, I think the Cowboys are going to repeat in this one. And then the debate, they're already fifth. The debate starts there as far as, you know, will they jump up and get it? Kind of matters what happens with Bama, obviously, too. Man, I, uh, this one's tough. Um, yeah, Jesus. Baylor's played uh, a lot of tight games, too. Yeah, I know. And they're, and, you know, I mean, if you kind of, there's so many different ways to look at this. So you can kind of do, well, how did they both play against Oklahoma? And, like, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, Jesus. I, this, God, I got nothing. Because when you, when you watch Baylor play, their offense isn't over the top. They just have a solid deep. They're not like flat. They used to be such like a a four or five wide running gun, like we're going to score at will. This right. year, their offense is good, but they're really kind of based on their defense. And Oklahoma State, again, like I said, if the box were kind of lied to you in an Oklahoma game, Oklahoma State's defense played really well too. So this is very odd to say, Chris, but we're in a Big 12 title game. But in my head, I'm trying to decide – which defense is better? Because I think that's what's going to decide it. Normally, you're always going to say, which, well, who's going to first to 40? Well, I, maybe this game doesn't even get to a team scoring 40. I, I doubt it will. So I'm going to lean Baylor. But that that's just kind of like, I think this is an evenly matched game with two relatively average offenses at best, with two great defenses, and who's going to, which offense can do just a little bit better. Neither offense has to do much, but who can play slightly better will be the winner. And I'll take the Baylor Bears to win this one, but it should be a fun competitive game. And again, we're talking about variety. It's nice to see Oklahoma not in the playoff picture. You know, just it's a different team, like you mentioned with uh, Pitt and uh, Wake. I got Pitt in that one, by the way. I'll join. I'll oh, hell Pitt. yeah, go Pitt. Go Pitt. That, that team suffered through so many weird, goofy years. It'd be nice to see them win a title. Now, let's say that you're I, – I know this isn't going to probably happen because, you know, you never get anything wrong. But the, let's just say, okay, theory-wise, <laughs> that Oklahoma State does beat Baylor. I don't think it's going to happen because I just heard you pick them. But let's just say. Sure. Here we sure, are sure. again. Easily could happen. Here we are again. I mean, if Alabama loses, you'd assume – well, I said it. You assume – Will they go down to sixth or whatever, fifth, whatever? They, ha- they um, have to. Yeah, Bama's out. I think so. I think so. But if they win, then they're in there. Okay. Point is, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State wins. Who the hell's going to get in there? Because Notre Dame, you know, Cincy we know has a has a nice, uh, a great on the road to the number six team in the country right now. But now it'll be back-to-back. Still Oklahoma's 14. They're still ranked uh, top 15, I guess, top 14, right? And now they're going against another top 10 team. So to close the year, not AP, not this, not that, but the, you know, college football playoff rankings, to beat two top 10 teams back-to-back, yes, they have a loss. Yes, it is to a mediocre, run-of-the-mill, just pretty good team. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? What would you do with that? And what do you think they'll do with that? Oh, man. And, and again. It's tough, dude. It is so tough. It, it's really unfortunate on Cincinnati that their strength of schedule is not better because they did have a solid non-conference. Not elite, yeah. but very solid. But. Almost every team they played in their non-conference, which was supposed to be a solid to respectable above-average game, those teams had down years due to injuries. So your non-conference record, again, not to your own fault, you actually did, you tried to schedule average to above-average teams. Like, that's respectable. Like, you did your part. Yeah, they did their part by winning, too. They they did their part by winning, but your non-conference schedule is weaker due to the fact you played Indiana – who went like three and eight this year? Like, okay, that should have been like a good win. Last year, Indiana was like blowing people's minds, and like they were having one of the best seasons they've had in fifty years. So, you know, not do your fault. And then UCF, like again, normally a guaranteed eight to nine win team. Sometimes 
a, a respectable squad. We're awful this year. Again, not your fault. So they really, if those teams I just mentioned, Chris, had had better years, I think I don't even. I think that Cincinnati's got it locked in because you can't really com- you can't argue about their schedule. But since the teams they tried to schedule were so shitty, again, not due to their fault. Um, I think that Oklahoma State, if they win um, on Saturday or whenever, yeah, Saturday, I think they hop Cincy. I think Cincy gets screwed. I think they get hopped. Just unfortunate due to a a non-conference of bad karma and also the fact that Oklahoma State would now have more impressive wins for a total resume than Cincy can compare with. And the funny thing is, they'd have to barely beat Houston to keep Houston ranked, but then they barely beat Houston. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. damn, man. And that's why we need probably six teams, uh, five or six teams like we've mentioned, because then we wouldn't even be having this debate. We just know they're going to sure. get in and that type of thing. But I'm with you. I, I just don't see, you know, I, it's not supposed to be a what have you done for me lately, but – a lot of times that 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 could be that could be. Uh, I'm going raging Cajuns to beat Appalachian State, even though they're the underdog by three points. I'm just gonna do that. Um, oh, Michigan, well, Iowa, to you. Michigan, Iowa, eleven point spread. We do know that Iowa's defense is legit. Um, is this one? I, you know, I'll say this. I think Iowa can keep it under the 11 points, but I'm going with the Wolverines. I could see this kind of being a grinded out, nasty game, um, just because we still got to get over the hump, man. We still got to go over the hump. It's it's not over. Or, you know, I'm going to pick that, but I could also see, like, the floodgates are open. We have so much confidence off just what happened, and we've seen teams peak like this. Speaking of Ohio State, you know, for years now, we were just talking about how they were peaking. You know, they, they had just beat, what, Michigan State 56-7. to seven. You know what I mean? Years ago when they won the national championship, they beat a, a, a top-tier Wisconsin team like 50-something, to 50-0 to or something like that. I guess Michigan could probably do that too because they have so much confidence. But I'm calling for Iowa with the points and uh, Michigan moving on. I think if you're in Michigan, just keep things simple like you just did. Run the ball down their throat. And and I and Ohio's got a good run defense, but just it's not elite, but it, it's good. But just do what you did against Ohio State. The only downfall, Chris, is the fact that these are college kids, and you just yeah. had the biggest win in a decade for your school. You could – how can you easily – it could be easily, easily possible – to come out dead flat and be down by like 10 points halftime to an Iowa team who has nothing to lose at all. Now, with that being said, Iowa's quarterback sucks. Whether they put out Petrus or they put out that other bum, they are trash. <laughs> so even if Michigan's offense is flat, Michigan's defense should, and again, if you could be by this Iowa quarterback, you deserve to miss the whole bowl game. You do. Like, I, I think that Iowa's deep offense is so shitty that Michigan will win, but we've seen this happen in college sports. Flat spots occur. You beat Ohio State, you're partying big man on campus, you think you're making this to the college football playoff, everything is perfect in a gold-silver platter plate. But no, could they lose the game? You know, I mean, even even Vegas is saying, dude, you're an 11-point favorite. You got no business losing it. But yeah. crazy things have happened. In college. I wouldn't bet the game. I think Michigan should win, but, again, this is college football, and crazier things have happened before. Any and like other I said, poor, last poor Harbaugh. I yeah, no, poor, no, no. dude, if you lose this, like you oh, finally God. beat Ohio State, but if you lay an egg and you lose to this game and then you lose out on your college football playoff berth, man, we're gonna say, dude, Har- Harbaugh's a bum. He's got to go. Like, and dude, if they you're Harbaugh, go to the Rose Bowl then, because Iowa would probably go to the Rose Bowl then. Yeah, they both have two you're losses, right. and they would I go know. up. Well, maybe, maybe Ohio State would because they're the higher ranked team by that time. No, because Ohio would jump or Iowa would jump up. They'd have to jump way up. They just beat the two. Dude, if you're Harbaugh, you're giving every 
coaching angle speech you can, yeah. guys. I need you There's this week. I triple need you. reverse, anything, whatever. <laughs> We're going to fake every kick, every punt, you know, anything. Just try anything. we got to win. There is a curfew at 8 p.m. No, no, yeah, no, right. uh, no text from the girlfriends, dude. Give me, don't, don't let me down, guys. Don't let me down. Well, for Come taking on your now, phones. Time. We're taking your phones. No yeah, Wi-Fi. The phone, yeah. Curfew, or, or you're gonna be fought. You're doing a COVID hotel, COVID hotel protocol. Because <laughs> man. man, if if we do next week's podcast, it's like Iowa Hawkeyes 27, Michigan 24. Oh boy. That would be such a Minnesota Vikings thing to happen, too. Like, dude, did you see that? That was awesome. Oh, shit. What just happened? Um, any last words before we shut this thing down, sir? Um, just, is there any other scenarios we've discussed that, or that said that we could, that would could possibly happen? Okay. So let, let's just do this quickly. For Cincinnati to make the playoff, Chris, do, do they need someone to lose? Or if you whoop up on Houston, who is, I believe, ranked 24th, does a, a Cincinnati solid victory land them in in your mind, or do they need, again, some lady luck? I think they need Baylor. I think they need okay. Baylor. But they are, okay. I mean, Houston is 8-0 in the in the AAC. Uh, you know, they're, they're a good team. They've only lost once. The problem is, you know, um, we could say, well, who have they beaten? And you look at it, SMU was ranked at that time. They're no longer ranked. And they lost to Texas Tech. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I think they need Baylor to win. They're big Baylor fans this week. And here's the other curveball I'll give you, then we'll wrap it up. Because I think that – I don't think this will happen. But if it did, oh, shit. Okay. Let's say that Bama somehow beats Georgia. Let's say Bama's offense wakes up. So – Obviously, Georgia, 100. percent They average 31 a game. I mean, this whole wake up. Hopefully, they wake well, up. I, well, they they haven't been playing. Well, I I can't get that LSU game or Auburn game out of my head. So <laughs> let let's say that Georgia gets beat by Bama. Okay, so obviously you can't kick out Georgia because Georgia deserves it. So Georgia's in. That puts Bama in. Then what do you think? What well, what is the uh, uh, trickle down effect of if Bama beats Georgia because those two are automatically in. Then who are who is looking at the best shot or who's might get screwed if that situation plays out to wrap this baby up? Tonight? I still think it's Cincy. They still need okay. in that scenario. They still need Baylor because Notre Dame's not going to jump them. That's the only team that can jump. I mean, if Baylor wins, well, hold on. If Baylor wins, they beat Oklahoma and. Oklahoma State, a team, two, they won two loss Big 12 championship, jump Ohio, uh, Cincinnati, would they? A two, God, so 11 I, and two, mm. would they do that? I don't know if they do that. I don't I, know. I don't do think so. Who are they? they yeah. Iowa State, I think, was one of their losses. Was they lost to yeah. TCU. They lost to TCU. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. All right. Also, if you're Cincy, Get 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 the pom poms out for Baylor and hope, hope that turns out that way because it will be fun to see him in the playoffs. And handle so we'll your see. business, like you said. Yeah, yeah your yes. You take care. Try it, it, there. There's nothing wrong trying to run up the score and, and winning as much as you can against Houston. So again, it'll be a very fun Friday night and then Saturday they got the games pretty much spaced out throughout the whole day. I, I believe Bama Georgia's at uh, three. I think uh, Michigan Iowa's at seven. So and and Oklahoma Baylor Oklahoma State 11. Baylor's at eleven. So it's a central. it's a perfect day. Yeah, all those times are central. Um, to enjoy football with your friends, family, or your favorite bottle of choice, or maybe everything combined. So as always, thanks for the love and support. We'll be back next week with no matter what, we'll be a fun show to talk about for our playoff pictures and conference champs. And maybe Matt Carell wins the Heisman. You never know. Can't say never. <laughs> Until then, the boys are out tonight. Have a good one. Peace.